Hey everyone, thanks for checking into LJN Radio and one of our newer podcasts, I Want to Be A. In each episode, we complete that sentence with a different title, hoping to bring in professionals from a variety of fields and industries who give you all the information you need to land these jobs and thrive in them. I'm your host, Tim Muma, and today I want to be a chiropractor. As we take a peek into a world where the musculoskeletal system is the focus for overall health and comfort, whether one requires therapy, alignment, or other procedures, it's obviously best to leave it to the pros. To help us walk through this profession, we have Dr. Cynthia Vaughn joining us from Texas today. Thanks for coming on, Dr. Vaughn. Oh, thank you so much, Tim, for having me. I'm excited to be here. You know, tell us a little about yourself, first of all, so listeners have an idea where you're coming from and just your experience overall. Sure. Uh, as you said, I practiced in Austin, Texas, and I've been here since uh, about 1989. I grew up in the Bay Area, went to chiropractic college um, after my prerequisites down in Los Angeles, and then practiced there for a couple of years in the late, because I graduated in 84. I practiced there till about 88 when I transferred and moved here to Texas. I opened the practice wherein I am right now in 1990. So I've moved the facility a couple of different times as we've grown, but it's been basically the same practice here in the south of Austin since that time. So almost a 30-year practitioner. Yeah, so a pretty good run for you so far, huh? Oh, absolutely. It's been a wonderful, wonderful experience and a wonderful profession. Well, good. That's what we love to hear. Obviously, that's a reason we have you know, individuals like yourself on. What was it that really did attract you to this industry to begin with? I mean, was it something that sparked your interest? Was it just you always knew this is where you wanted to go? What, sort of, uh, what was sort of your path? Yeah, that's a great question, and it, it, does, it is a bit of a story. I actually grew up in a household where chiropractic was a bad name. My mother <laughs> had hurt her back when she was very young on a rope swing, you know, where it broke, and she, she fell and hurt her tailbone. And so for years, her back would go out on her. And at one point, I guess in her 20s, uh, I wasn't around yet, um, she went to a chiropractor. And, you know, just like anything, there's bad dentists, there's bad medical doctors, there's not always great chiropractors, same thing. And I guess she picked one that wasn't that great. And he hurt her. And so she made the decision there and then, ah, forget it. When my back goes out, I'm not going to see a doctor of chiropractic. <laughs> well, fast forward, that's, again, the environment in which I grew. And now I'm basically 20, 21, and of all things, I was a flight attendant at the time. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I thought I wanted to be a doctor early on. I was very good in science and math and all the, the didactic portion of it. And I certainly liked service and helping people. But there was just something about allopathic or regular medicine that didn't, didn't resonate with me. And so I thought, what better way to get out in the world and meet people and find out what's out there than being a flight attendant? I mean, it made perfect sense, you know. <laughs> yeah, it and, makes sense. Yeah, indeed, it was during that three-year stint with United Airlines that I was introduced to chiropractic. My mom's back went out again, and some friend this time convinced her, well, maybe that was a bad doctor of chiropractic. Mom, you know, go try someone else, and she did, and that was it. She came back just espousing all these accolades. It's the most incredible examination I've ever received. You've got to go, and I go, but mom, I, my back doesn't hurt. She said, let them tell you that. Make sure your spine is aligned. I'm like, mom, really? You know, you've gone off the defense, and, but I had great insurance with the airlines, 
and I kind of was going in there to see what, where's my mom and what have you done with her kind of thing, you know, and, but that was it. I had the same exam she talked about. I was asking questions left and right, driving them nuts, and I'll never forget it. I had that lightning bolt epiphany thing. It was about the fourth visit, and I asked some other question. I don't know what it was, and I'll never forget it. The chiropractor set his pen down, looked me in the eye and said, Cindy, why don't you do this? I mean, you know how you have those moments? I had one sure. of those moments. And that was it. It was such a clear, clear path for me that uh, and I never looked back. I, I flew that last year because I still needed some prerequisites to get into chiropractic college. So mm. I, was, I was literally taking my books on layovers. And instead of going out and partying with the crews like I'd been doing, I would stay in my <laughs> hotel room doing my chemistry homework and things like that realizing how much time I'd been wasting. And I was able to finish flying that year while going to school, you know, full-time taking night classes and everything. And then I entered chiropractic college a year later. And like I say, never looked back. That is quite the story, I have to admit. And I think you're, uh, you're making it exciting to sound, also to be a flight attendant as well as a chiropractor. So <laughs> yeah, you're sort of hitting on both professions. That's, that's good. That's exactly. a good thing. Give people well, options there. No question about it. No, it is a great way to get out, and, and I, I actually have, through the years, told people, if you don't know what you want to do, that is a great way to find out, because you get some travel and you meet all kinds of people, and it certainly served its purpose where I'm concerned. So on the backdrop of that story, obviously, you know, we see how you got into it and the, the passion you really developed for it right away. You talk about the educational side of things. I guess what is sort of the general path that someone would take? What are the options out there? Because your story obviously is unique and you're a little further advanced in terms of, you know, you didn't go right out of high school, that kind of thing. What would you point to for individuals who are looking into this field, colleges, that sort of thing? Okay, yes, excellent. First of all, it is pre-med. So it, 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 okay. they're, they're exactly the same. Uh, the only difference is some schools now, some chiropractic colleges are requiring a Bachelor of Science before you enter. But the, to the strict letter of the law, you can get in with three years of college education. And then it's very specified, you know, so many semesters of physics and chemistry and organic and all that, just like med school. And actually, people, a lot of people don't know this, but med school, to the letter of the law, you only need a three-year degree, too. But nobody really? even tries it without a four-year because it's so <laughs> right. competitive. And so it's sure. by default a four-year requisite, but it's really not, technically. So, yes, uh, some chiropractic colleges are kicking it up a notch, making it a four-year requirement, but it's pretty much the same thing. So you've got to be good in science. You've got to take, you know, the, the biology, one, two, and three, the chemistry in, in organic, one, two, and three, and then two semesters of organic, two semesters of physics. Obviously, the regular humanities, you know, have a language having English classes and stuff like that. And so once that's complete, then you actually enter chiropractic colleges. Now, it's interesting that for the first time in history, there are more chiropractic colleges abroad than there are in the United States. We have 16, but like, I, I, I don't want to misspeak, but it's somewhere in the, in the neighborhood of 18 to 20 worldwide. And so there's actually this wonderful opportunity to study chiropractic abroad if you want. I, I would say that the best schools, though, still are in this country, but hey, they're getting better all the time, and that's certainly something that one could explore if, if they wanted to. So once you're in the program, it's 
usually, there's some variance to this, but basically 10 semesters long. And most of the schools put them in trimesters so that you get three done in a year. And so you can get out in three and a third years, but you've got no summer breaks, very short, you know, like a week <laughs> in the spring and a week or 10 days at, at, in the wintertime. So it is solid three years and no break. So, you know, it's just, it's tough to do, but it loads it up and they're very, very heavy. And it's the same as med school. The first, oh gosh, five to six semesters. It's anatomy and physiology with cadaver dissection. Mm -hmm. It's pathology, all the ologies. Okay. And then at about, and a lot of x-ray. We obviously utilize x-ray, whereas medical program, they get one semester of it just to kind of be introduced to it, but then they rely on their practices almost exclusively that radiologists read their stuff. So they don't really sure. get into it like, like doctors of chiropractic do. We, therefore, have tremendous amount of x-ray training in our program. So the divergence, I say, occurs at, like I say, about the sixth semester. And, of course, now we take more x-ray and all the technique. You have to take all the hands-on practicing on how to perform safely uh, and effectively a chiropractic <laughs> adjustment, where, of course, med school doesn't do that. So then after the eighth semester, usually, you're done with everything didactic, and you spend two semesters in the clinic, and it's all hands-on at that point. And you have to perform so many examinations, so many adjustments, so many everything pr prior to fulfilling the requisite to then get your diploma. All along the way, you're sitting national boards. They are the testing for the didactics, and there's three of them in writing, uh, you know, Scantron kind of thing, multiple choice. You have to pass mm -hmm. each one in order to take the next one. And then when you graduate, you take the part four, which is a oral and practical. And then when you get all of those, you can practice in any state in the U.S. And, you, and all you need to do in that state to get a license is take their so-called jurisprudence exam. You've got to study their law, their statute, because there are variances in all 51 right. jurisdictions. So you take their little law test, if you will, and they accept national boards, part one through four, as sufficient testing in the didactics and practical. And then, boom, you get your license, and then you have all kinds of options. Well, I, I appreciate you broke it all down for us there, really from start to finish, and that I, and that and that's what we're looking for because a lot, again, a lot of people go into things and not really sure what it entails. So that's Certainly. I mean that's perfect, really. I mean, you talk about obviously the sort of field work that you get the hands-on experience, and the education piece is obviously important. Are there any extracurriculars or volunteer type stuff that maybe someone could do? as they're entering or before to, to, I mean, obviously you're not going to be aligning anyone's spine or anything, but are there any areas you would suggest people going into to sort of get some sort of experience working with people or being in the field a little bit? Yes. And that would be the, the, really the best thing to do is to get a job in a doctor of chiropractic's office. Uh, I, mm -hmm. You know, you could go and run their front office, run their back office, you know, do the, you know, assist in the physical therapy. Some uh, chiropractors even take their own x-rays in their office. So you can maybe go in and work for them and be their x-ray tech. That gets you in the practice. So you see what happens. Oh, be a patient. First of all, be a patient yourself. Go in, <laughs> especially if you have you know problems or whatever, go in and receive the services. I'm a big, big stickler on that. I used to be uh, chairman of a board of trustees of one of the chiropractic colleges, and it never ceased to amaze me how we would have students matriculate who'd never been to a chiropractor. I was like, really? <laughs> how do you know you want to do this if you haven't first been a patient? So yes, first be a patient. But then also, like I say, maybe work in a chiropractor's office. That would be very eye-opening. And then as far as preparedness, I think some massage therapists make great chiropractors. So if you want to maybe study massage first, 
and get involved that way, you could get a sense for service and patience. And you have to love people. Oh, my goodness. If you're not a people person, this is not a profession for you. Um, and I'll say, too, that uh, if you, and some of your listeners may never have been to a carpark, so I, I get that, and they may not know. But there are some things that right. we do where it's where we're very physical. I mean, um, there, there's a, a procedure, for example, where I have to get very close to my patient physically and reach around. They're laying on their back, and I need to get to their back, so I've got to reach around them. I'm essentially giving them a hug. <laughs> and so, you know, you have to be comfortable doing that. And so, um, yes, it's, it's definitely a profession for people. So doing something like that, I think you, you would get an indication early on that, ooh, this is right for me or, oh, this is not right for me. Well, since you brought that up a little bit, we can, we can jump into that. The idea of, uh, you know, maybe sort of skills and personality. You said you really do need to be a people person and, and sort of have a comfort there. Has that changed at all in recent years? Has it become more personal? I mean, you, you hear a lot about that, like with teachers and other professions where it just it's become more personal and you, you can't just be on the technical side of things. I guess, how would you describe those skills or personality traits that, that do fit nowadays? And maybe if it is different from the past. I don't know that it's ever been different in chiropractic. And I'm just such a people person that I only know it this way. But I guess there could be very successful doctors of chiropractic out there that maybe aren't as outgoing and gregarious as I am, but I, I can't imagine doing this any other way. I, so, sure. so that works for me. But that, you know, if that works for you, I would not say that that person couldn't be a successful doctor of chiropractic. Let's put it this way. Your practice is going to become a reflection of your personality. And so you mm-hmm. can just imagine what my practice is like. It's family. It's when someone walks in the door, oh my gosh, Mary's here. We're just so excited to see Mary or whatever. Now, I mean, it's not the way everybody is. They're very dignified, more stoic or whatever practices too, and that's fine. But I think the secret here is have your practice genuinely be a reflection of who you are, and it's going to work. That way, nothing's phony, because I I just don't see this working if if you're putting on airs. You know, be who you are. And I think then mm-hmm. you can, anyone can do it. There, there is kind of a, 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 not a misnomer, but there's a mis, misconception that is out there that, oh, you've got to be really strong to be a chiropractor. Because some of these moves, you know, yeah, like I told you, you're, you're getting up and over the patient, and you've got to deliver with some proficiency at a thrust adjustment. You have to have speed and kinesthetics of movement. I mean, you have to be able to do that. So, oh, my gosh, how can you possibly do that on these big football player guys? And the answer is leverage. You just lower the table, for example. Get up over that person. Use your strength. Like our women, our strength more in our pelvis. So you would modify the techniques to reflect that. Men are more upper body strength, so men tend to use the, the arms and the pushing because that works for them. But I went to school with a gal that was four foot six, and she went right through. She's a dynamo, terrific chiropractor. So that that is a misconception out there. And so I just let me address that for maybe some of your female or smaller listeners that that don't worry about that. That, that ha- gets handled in technique class. <laughs> I have to admit, I, I had never, I've never thought of going into that field, but you're, you're getting me excited for, for trying this out a little bit. You definitely have a passion for it, and I, I'm sure that's why your patients love you as well. You know, if we try to take it back a little bit, obviously we're talking about the skills and personalities that are, are clearly important. Getting to the point of being in the profession, obviously if you're, you're doing that sort of work in the field, that's going to help get your name out there and network. What's sort of the process like, though, if you're applying for jobs or if you're, if you're looking to have your own practice? I mean, what does that sort of look like when you're trying to get yourself into the field and, and get your foot in the door, oh, essentially? great question. And uh, 
practicing in Austin, Texas, believe me, it's a very desirable place to live. And I'm always being contacted mm-hmm. by new graduates. And we have two chiropractic colleges just in Texas. So two of the 16 are right here. So I'm always getting called by new wow. graduates saying, are you hiring? You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> but the unique thing about chiropractic is that when you graduate, you have several options. You can go purchase an existing practice. There are people getting ready to retire. Their practice has value. You can literally step right in and, you know, be introduced. Usually there's such nice transitions so that you can gain the respect and, and, and trust of these patients. But you, that's a great way to just slide right in, but it takes some capital on the front end, obviously. Sure. And if you've taken out a bunch of student loans and you're already in debt, $140,000, it's just kind of tough. Um, that's one thing. The other is you just buy the space, do the build out and start it from scratch. Again, takes capital. And that one now you've really got to build it up. You've got to be gregarious, get out there, meet people, network, leave your card when you leave your tip, you know, when you go to a restaurant and, and go to talk to rotary luncheons. I mean, you've got to really, really work it. Okay. Because it's zero. You make it from nothing, which is what I had to do. The other option is to go and get hired by an existing practice. I just two months ago brought in a new associate myself. She just graduated and I was expanding. And so I brought her in and that's great. She comes in at a salary and whoever comes in to see her, she's building her practice within my practice. That's probably the most common way to do it. And so then, you know, you just go get a license wherever you want to live and then just start going around meeting the different chiropractors in that town, find out who's looking. The other thing that is really neat and and different over the past, say, decade is that finally, in 2004, chiropractic was added into the huge BMS healthcare delivery system called the VA. Forever, for 65 years, we have gone to Congress and said, please put chiropractic in the VA. Veterans clamor for our benefits. They're paying out of pocket. They need our services. And for 65 years, they said no until 2002 when it became law. Hmm. And uh, George Bush signed that into law. And then he created a committee of 12 people, uh, chiropractors, osteopaths, physical therapists, and medical doctors to implement the the product, the, uh, the uh, inclusion of chiropractic into the VA. I was appointed by Secretary Principi at the time to serve on that committee. So I had the extreme honor of being a direct participant in getting that done. It took us a couple years, but since then, chiropractic is now in the VA and they are extremely successful with the benefit. And so it's only being expanded over time. So now graduates have the options that, you know, I think I want to go work in a VA hospital. And so you can apply and do that. It's also in the the DOD. It's structured a little differently. You don't actually work for the VA directly like you do in the VA. It's contracted. So you go to the contractees and then either contract with the Air Force, the the, uh, Army or whatever. And we're trying to get it included to where the members of their family can receive the benefit. We're we're still fighting that battle. But (laughs) all my point is there's tremendous growth in that way, too. And some of your listeners may be former veterans and they may have a real, oh, my gosh, that resonates with me. I would love to be a doctor of chiropractic and serve our veterans and or active military. That's something I would love to do. Here's your opportunity. Yeah, I mean, that definitely sounds like a great option. And as you said, it's just so many opportunities really that are out there. You don't have to, uh, you know, stick to one or the other. Uh, definitely something right. good for our right. listeners to hear. What about the the job interview? Uh, you know, because it, it, it seems obviously it's a little different than what you would say go into just a typical office setting, that kind of thing. 
is there a physical element to that interview? Are you just looking for a personality? What do you think is sort of the, the typical way that someone's trying to sell themselves in that interview or what the employer might be looking for? Yeah, that's a good too question. I would say you want to be matched with a, uh, a chiropractor that is like you, your personality, because like imagine the way I am in my practice. I wouldn't want someone real stoic in here. I mm-hmm. want another in this gal I, I got. She's awesome. And we're a good fit. <laughs> And so there's just synergy there. Whereas if I'd have, because uh, the, the guy I had before her wasn't that way. And so he, that didn't work out. Sure. And that's part of why it didn't. Our personalities clashed. The only thing, so, so yes, you'd want your listeners to find the person that shares the personality. Because as I said, the practice becomes an extension of that personality. You want to come in and fit, not clash. The only other thing I would say that's different about a chiropractor interview for a doctor is that. Be ready. They're going to say, all right, after they talk to you and you hook up and you like each other, you're going to say, all right, take me down the hall and show me what you got. And they're going to ask you to adjust them. <laughs> Absolutely. And they want to see what your speed is like, what your kinesthetics are like. And even in that moment, you kind of be a patient. You make them, you know, show you their bedside manner, if you will. And that's always the most nervous part for, for the, the, and it was nervous for me. I remember that. But uh, a long time ago, but you, yeah, you're going to ask to be to deliver an adjustment for sure. So you just, that's the only thing unique about this situation. Yeah, and, and that's what I, that's exactly what I was wondering about because sort you know you can talk the talk, but can you you know actually go through with what you're you know <laughs> what you present here? Now that brings up a question for myself: Have you yourself or have you heard of any instance where? that was going on and the, uh, the employer sort of had to stop them. Like, no, no, don't do that. Or, or, I mean, has there been any sort of uh, bad stories when it comes to that? I've not heard any, I'm sure okay. they happen, <laughs> but here's what I would say about that. Any decent chiropractor and most of all of them are, if they already had a really good fit personality wise and everything else was good, I, I think most uh, seasoned, the employee, the seasoned chiropractor would say, look, I'll work with you. Um, you know, cause it's tough to really do it the way it works when you're just in school. Mm-hmm. It likes so many professions. There's that disconnect from the way it's taught and oh, let's face it, the reality. You can't do that. That's not going to work. It's <laughs> practice. So let me show you how to do that. And, and you work with your new employee and then it's fine. I mean, yeah, that, that's, that's a given. And I think that if that were the only thing, and as long as they're not overtly going to hurt somebody, you know, and, and nobody's going to graduate if that's the case, I don't think. So just, you may need to work with your new doctor a little bit, but no problem. That's reasonably going to happen, I would think. Well, due to some time constraints, we'll have to take a break on I Want to Be a Chiropractor with Dr. Cynthia Vaughn. But don't worry, we'll have more with the passionate and energetic chiropractor on part two, where Dr. Vaughn talks about a typical day at the office. To find that second part, just go to localjobnetwork.com slash radio slash list and type in I Want to Be a Chiropractor and it should pop right up for you. Meanwhile, go ahead and send us an email at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com with your comments or suggestions for maybe show topics or any other information you want to send us for any of our LJN radio programs. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.